welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy. Hey, Kingdom Culture family. Good morning. So good to see you online with us for our Kingdom Culture experience. Once again, we miss you. We miss seeing you in person, but I want to welcome all of our online family. I want to welcome our Kingdom Culture community. I want to welcome those that are abroad, those that are new with us this morning. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Don't forget to tell us where you're from in the chat. Engage in the chat. If you're new, let us know you're new. Let us know how we can pray for you, how we can support you in this time. Like uh, the video. It really helps spread the word. Subscribe to the channel. Share the link. It helps get the word out to more people. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. I really believe God has a message for you, has an encouraging word for you. And as you know, if you've been tracking with us since we've been in quarantine, we uh, have been in a series called Revive 2020. And we've been praying and believing that God would revive key areas of our life, of our spiritual life, of our personal life, of our family life, our vocational life. And I just believe that that is what has been happening for so many people on so many levels. And I want to thank you for partnering your faith with us to believe for revived hearts and revived souls in this season. And I've said this over and over again to our team, you know, like uh, there was a message, if you if you didn't see it, called quarantined for revival. If there was ever a time where we could find personal revival in our lives and see things that were dead come to life again, if there was ever a season for that, it is this season. I don't know uh, if we can't find that in this season when we're forced to isolate, when we're forced to quarantine, when we're forced to stop life as usual. If we can't do it in this season, I don't know how we're going to do it in the next season. And so my prayer for all of us watching, myself included, is that as we continue to walk step by step in this season, in this process, seeing this pandemic play out, that God would revive our lives in a powerful way. He wants to revive our dreams, our purposes, our families, our relationships, wants to revive our rest, you guys, our spiritual life, our work our prayer and for real you know and I feel like if there was ever a time to really uh, uh, highlight whether or not we understand what worship is or understand what prayer is it's now when we don't have a church to go to other than online we don't have people to gather with in person if there was ever a time it's now and ultimately I believe today God is going to revive some hope in you I want to pray Ephesians Chapter 1, verse 18, where Paul the Apostle, writing to the church at Ephesus while he was in jail, he prayed and said, God, that you would open the eyes of the people, enlighten the eyes of their understanding, so that 
they may find hope in his calling. My prayer is that you would find hope today, new hope, revived hope, that you would see for the first time maybe what hope really is and how hope actually comes to your life because I feel like there's so many people right now without hope. You've lost hope. You once had hope. Maybe you don't even really know what hope is. I know the Holy Spirit, I believe, is going to speak to you today in a powerful, powerful way. I want to read out of our passage this morning, out of our main passage where Paul is writing to the church of Rome. He says this in Romans chapter 5, Verse 1 to 5, it says this, Therefore, since we have been made right with God, or right in God's sight, by faith, we have peace with God. Because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Verse 2, Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege, where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Verse three, now listen to this. We can rejoice, we can celebrate, we can praise God, we can elevate God, we can thank God. This is, I'm just paraphrasing for you. It says we can rejoice, that's the word. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Nobody likes a problem, no one likes a trial. But the reality of it is so much of our purpose in life is born from the problems within our life. So much of the trophies that we get in life, the wins that we get in life are born from the trials in our life. And so Paul is saying, listen, count it joy, rejoice when you run into, because we don't always run into or walk into them on purpose, we run into them. As we're going towards the calling of God, as we're going towards his plan for our lives, we think that, oh, you know, all problems, all tests, all trials are eradicated off the path. The reality of it is, the problems that we face along the path to our purpose are the very things that forge us into a place where we're ready to handle what he wants to give us. So Paul says, Man, rejoice when you run into these problems, when you run into these trials, for we know, this is what the verse says, so we know, for we know that they help us, they help us develop, I love this, help us develop endurance. Come on, if you're with somebody right now, say endurance. Say it out loud, get it out of your mouth. Endurance, such a powerful word, such an important word. Endurance, verse four, then it says this, and endurance, so once you have endurance, endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. We see again, our confident hope. I want a confident hope. God wants to give you a confident hope. God wants to give you a confident hope of not only where you're going when you die, but whose you are. And whose you are is Jesus. He has a uh, 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 input, leadership, kingship over your life. If you've let him into your life, you've surrendered your life, he is the one over your life. And so I want a confident hope of everything that he's promised me. I want a confident hope of what he has for me, both present now and in the future. And we see the sequence of how we get to hope. I love it. It finishes off in verse five, says this, and this hope, will not lead us to disappointment. It won't lead us to discouragement. It won't lead us to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us 
because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. This word for hope, when you break it down in the Greek, actually means this, an expectation of what is sure. An expectation of what is sure. What is hope? An expectation of what is sure. Another definition could be confidence. I want to live my life in a space, in a grace of confidence. I want to live my life in a grace, in a space of expectation, of expectation of what is sure. There's so many people out there that they, they find they find solace, they find um, value and worth in being unsure. And it's like cool to not know. You know what? But God wants to give you a confident hope today. God wants to give you assurance today. God wants to restore where there's been discouragement. He wants to give you some encouragement today. Because when you have hope, you have health and healing. When you have hope, you have faith and purpose. When you have hope, you have wisdom and perspective. When you have hope, you have stability and confidence, discipline and focus. Without hope, You have just the opposite of all these things. And it's God's desire for you. It's God's desire for me to find wholeness in life through hope in God, through hope in what he's promised us. So if you haven't figured it out yet, today's message, today's title, today's subject for you that I believe is gonna be so important for this next season in your life is called Revive the hope. Revive the hope. Come on, say it. Today, I'm reviving hope within me. I'm reviving the hope within me. Yes, you're going to revive it because you're going to have the tools to position yourself to stumble into it, which is our our, our sub-subject, our hashtag, stumbling into it. Hope is something that I believe, and I want to kind of put a different spin on it today, not something that, something that you can just conjure up and that you can attain by your good works and attain by your striving. Hope is something that comes as an overflow of a few other things. Hope is something that happens as a result of something else. Hope is something that I believe you stumble into in life as you continue to put the necessary foundational stones that matter to build your house in your life. And so I want to continue on with this idea. I want to talk, like I said, differently about hope. I want to talk about stumbling into it, stumbling into it. And like I said, I I know this series that we've been in called Revive 2020 um, during quarantine has been encouraging for so many. It's been um, it's been uh, life for so many, but for so many others, you know, I believe that even during this quarantine where maybe they've not been revived in any area of their life, they feel like they've lost. They feel like they're continuing to lose in life. This message is for you. It's messages for you, especially today, that God would restore hope in you. God would give you the tools so that you can position yourself to stumble into a hopeful future moving forward in Jesus' name. I believe over and over again, for me, I know in this last season, I don't know about you, but for me, over and over again, I've been, uh, I've been like experiencing hope for my family, hope for my kids, seeing my kids encounter God during this quarantine, seeing my kids encounter God in a, in a new way, 
in a fresh way, in a real way during this quarantine season has restored so much hope. You know, one of the things that I would say, uh, uh, being honest with you, that I struggle with at times is God, are are my kids going to be the kids that have to go down all these hard, bad roads and then eventually come back to you? Or can my kids get to know you early on in life? Can my kids really know you? I don't want my kids to know you through me. I don't want my kids to to say they have faith in you because daddy and mommy are pastors or daddy and mommy love Jesus and know Jesus. I don't want my kids to just be a a carbon copy of me, so to speak. I, I want my kids to find hope themselves, Mr. H himself, Mr. Hope. Jesus. I want them to stumble into him every day. I want them to position themselves to to see him move in their life. I want them at the age of eight, the age of four, the age of nine and 11, which are all my kids' kids ages. I want them to find hope for real in their life. And I'm telling you, it's it's been happening. It's been an amazing, amazing journey to watch my kids experience the reality of God in their own lives. And I know that this last week we were uh, uh, doing a little bit of a worship time in uh, one of my kids' bedrooms as we would pray normally every night for my kids and pray, we pray, we prophesy over our kids, we speak life over them all the time. And we had a little worship time and we were all kind of just worshiping Jesus, you know, and I had music on and I, I'm teaching my kids what it looks like just to, to create space for the presence of God, to create space in their life. And man, when we, I put this, the, the worship song on within the first literally 10 seconds of the song coming on, one of my kids literally dropped to their knees like just dropped. It was like a, a, like a, a ton of bricks hit the, hit the kid and dropped to their knees and started lifting their hands, eyes closed, and was just bawling their eyes out in the presence of God. And it was like the presence of God hit, uh, hit my, my child. And, and he said to me, actually, he said to me, he's like, I feel like I got baptized. And I'm like, man, this is, this, this to me is like what revives hope in my life when I feel like, man, are my kids gonna be those, those kids? And I'm praying. And I'm praying that my kids stay on the path of following him and knowing him in a real way. And when I hear stories like this and my kids having encounters with Jesus at this age, at this stage, it gives me hope. It gives me hope. And I hope these stories and testimonies and these messages over the last season of Revive 2020 has been contributing to giving you a little more hope for you. And it was crazy because after this experience with one of my children and all of a sudden within about, I don't know, 20 minutes because we listened to about two or three worship songs and within about 20 minutes, all my kids started getting visions and getting words of encouragement and prophecies about each other and about their friends and my wife was writing all the words down and one of my kids looks at me and says, uh, Daddy, I, I see this. I said, what? She says, I see a white flag. And she has no idea that it means surrender. Here she is having a vision for her dad and it means surrender. And in a moment, it was like God spoke to me and said, you know, what, what, your, son, what, just, what your son just experienced at the beginning of this worship time is what surrender looks like. Just to stop, drop and surrender it all. To not worry about, not complicate it, not have to need like a whole bunch of worship songs or an amazing message or, you know, a conference or a community of people gathering together that we could just stop where we are right now in our living rooms and just drop to our knees and surrender and give it all up to God. To me, that gives me hope. 
And when my daughter gave me that word about surrender without even really knowing what it meant, and I looked at my, uh, at my son and I, and I put the two together, I felt the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, this is the position that you are to have in this season, Sean. Don't complicate things. Just stop, drop, and surrender. This is that season because it's in that place where hope is given. It's in that place of enduring, in that place of just, just positioning our hearts in faith to stand strong and to, to give up, so to speak, to give up, to, to not try to control everything, just to give up and let God in. It's in that space where all the good things that God wants to give us begin to take place. But for so many people, like I said, they've lost hope. And maybe you're watching right now and you feel like you don't have hope. You don't have hope in your life. You don't, uh, you feel like you've lost, maybe in business. It's been a hard season of loss for you, business, maybe economically, financially, uh, uh, in other areas of your life, family, you've just been losing. It feels like you've just been losing. I don't know what your scenario is. Maybe you feel like your dreams are dead and you don't even know what you believe anymore. I mean, I can't tell you, you guys, like in a season like this, when the world is on pause, and I know that, you know, the pause button is coming off slowly and then, uh, uh, you know, incrementally, but it still feels like we're on pause. And so many people, and I've talked to many of them, they're just confused. If there was ever a time to be confused, it's, it's now. When you have so much time to self-reflect, so much time to, 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 to look inside our own hearts, our own lives, we get in our heads too much. And if we don't have people around us, we get confused. We get off in our thinking and we start questioning things that were never questions before. They were just things that we value. We start questioning everything that we once valued. And maybe that's you right now and you feel like you're just losing and you've lost hope. It says in Proverbs 30 or chapter 13, chapter 13, verse 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. So much of our hope has been held hostage to the season that we are in. When hope is deferred over and over again and we feel like the thing that we thought was gonna happen doesn't happen over and over again. The, the door that we thought was gonna open doesn't open over and over again. Doors that were once open are now closed and we don't like that. We don't want that. That's not what we were hoping for. And now we feel like we have hope deferred. We get sick on the inside. We get angry on the inside. We get bitter on the inside. And God wants to heal us. He wants to revive us again in this area because our heart is sick because hope is deferred. Disappointment, discouragement, struggle, confusion happen as a result of hope deferred. We've all been there. But I believe God is saying to us today, it's time to pull out. It's time to move forward. It's so easy to point our finger at the pain in our life and to stay there, to focus on the pain in our life. And it's so easy for the pain in our life to be highlighted, but God wants to highlight our purpose in this season. He wants us to see beyond our pain and to see into our purpose. Like I said, it's just so easy to stay there. I wanna read Romans 5 again, verse, but starting in verse three, starting in verse three, and I wanna break down some keys for us as we see and let God revive hope again in our lives. Let's read it in verse three, chapter five of Romans. It says this, we can rejoice too. Paul's saying this to the church at Rome to encourage the believers, we can rejoice. We can get happy. Okay, guys, let's get happy. 
when we run into quarantines and pandemics of all kinds. That's my paraphrased version. We can rejoice when we run into problems and trials, economic shakedowns, instability in our economy, instability in our world government, you know, instability in media, the culture we live in where it just feels like everything is in chaos and, and we don't even know what's true anymore and a culture where truth is harder to find than it's probably ever been in this time and in this stage. We can rejoice as we run into this stuff. You know why? Because something in us that could never be produced in a previous season will be produced in this one. There is something that God wants to do in you in this season, during this pandemic, whether you're still in the middle of it, still at the beginning of it, wherever you live, or near the end of it, whatever stage you are in during this time, there is something in you that God wants to form within you that could never be formed in any other season of your life. There's something about you breaking through you in this season that you could never do in another season. So rather than run from the problem, run from the trial, run from it, let's face it and find purpose within it. You've heard it said before where pain has a purpose. It's true. It's true. Rather than run from it, let's run through it into our purpose. Let's not just focus on it. Let's focus on what God wants to do within it. Okay, so it says here we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know, I love this, for we know that they help us develop endurance. They help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. I want to propose two words that God cares a lot about in this season. If we are going to stumble into hope, and number one, it's endurance. Write that down. It's endurance. Endurance. Say it over and over again. Endurance. I want to be a man of endurance. I believe God wants you to be a woman of endurance, a man of endurance. God wants to be wants wants you to be a father, a mother, a leader, a manager of endurance. Someone that endures through the junk, that endures through the problems, that endures through the trials, the tests, the pressures. This is what Paul's encouraging. You guys, and Paul spent a lot of his time in jail. He spent a lot of his time in jail. And he wrote letters to the church at Philippi and the, the church at Ephesus and many others while he was in jail, encouraging people to endure, encouraging his spiritual uh, his sons and daughters to endure, to persevere when things were hard. Paul was a man who learned perseverance. He was a man who learned how to endure. He could speak on this. I love it. For we know that they help us develop endurance. This word for endurance could also be, like I said, translated as perseverance, but it means to remain under, to remain under with steadfastness, especially as God enables the believer to remain under the challenges that is that are allotted in life. I was doing a little bit of a devotional Bible study, you know, on this scripture with my kids, my four kids, uh, just this week, actually. And it was kind of spontaneous. It wasn't planned. And I had been meditating on this scripture for some time. And I was reading these verses, the first five verses of Romans 5. 
and I was talking about what endurance means. What endurance means means and and how to stay strong and how to persevere. And you know, I was I think I even referenced one of my 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 oldest daughter who just has this ability. She can keep on going with something over and over and over and over again. And she can remain under the challenges and she pushes herself. And all of my kids have different gifts and different attributes in different areas, but all of my kids, I was encouraging all of them that in life, if we're gonna win and we're gonna have hope in life, we need to understand the importance of endurance. I always tell this to my kids. Even today, I was playing baseball with my son and I was saying, what do gabies do? And I, I get this into my kids. I'm like, gabies don't quit. Gabies don't quit. What do gabies do? Gabies don't quit. We don't quit. We don't give up when it gets hard. We remain under the pressure. We remain steadfast. That's what endurance is. Perseverance is to remain when the resistance is at its greatest. At its greatest. No matter how much pushback you get, no matter how much, how hard it gets, we remain. We remain. You heard last week, man, one of my favorite messages. Uh, from from the last several years, and it was from actually, I think it was five years ago. Yeah, five years ago, August 28th, we launched a series called The Resistance, and I spoke a message regarding what he said. What did God say all about when we face the contradiction from the word that God has given us? We have to always go back to what he said, and if we can rest in what God says when we're living in the contradiction, will make it through. God never leads us to anything that he's not promised to lead us through. And this message, if you haven't watched it, I encourage you to go back last week and watch the message. It was a from the archive message that is just as powerful today as it was then. In fact, for me, on lots of levels, when I watched that message, man, I, I was encouraged. I was so encouraged by that message because there were things and encounters and dreams that I shared that I'd forgotten about. I'd forgotten about, and now five years later, and I shared about how with my, with my interview with Zoe, how we talked about how it take, a bamboo grows five years underneath the ground before it comes out of the ground. And I was talking about how it's been five years since this resistance message from this resistance series called What Did God Say? Or what Did He Say? And, and for five years, that, that was actually the day we launched to become a mobile organization lost our building and moved into a mobile season, venue to venue. And it was a hard resistance oriented season. And I can't tell you how many times in that five-year window or in that first three years even that I wanted to give up, that I wanted to quit, that I didn't want to endure, that I didn't want to persevere. It was like, what is the point? It's like we had 13 venues in three years. What is the point? It's up and down. People don't want instability. They want stability. You know, we live in Canada. People want the same venue every single week, the same venue, the same thing every single week, the same seat every single week. And the reality of it is when you have 13 venues, no one's getting the same seat and no one's getting the same venue or the same experience. And so, man, I didn't want to lead. I didn't want to do that anymore at one point. But I remain, I chose to remain under, to endure, to persevere. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful because what God did in me in that season, I don't think he could have done without that season. Of course, God can find other ways to do what he wants to do in us, and he does. But I believe that that season was designed for me to learn endurance, you know, and 
I, as you know, I, I have like many stories about what endurance is, even just my competitions and, and doing things phys physically um, and, and challenging my physical body. And for those of you that have been tracking with me for years, and uh, I, I, I like challenging myself, but it's hard to endure, you guys, when the pressure hits. It's hard. It's hard. But God has called us to endure, and there's a promise as a result of what endurance does for us what endurance does for us. Number two, second word that God, I believe, cares a lot about in our life and, and wants to highlight today, it's the word character. We have endurance and we have character. It says in Romans 5, verse three and four, remember we can rejoice run into problem, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength. Come on, say it, strength of character strength of character, strength of character. This word for character literally means proof of genuineness. I love that. I love that. Let me take an espresso break for that because it's an amazing, amazing thought. Proof of genuineness. Character, proof of genuineness. Approval, <clears throat> sorry, approval through testing. Approval through testing. A brand of what is tested and true, man, so powerful. What is character? Proof of genuineness. How genuine are you? And you don't get character unless you have endurance. Here's the thing. You don't move to character unless you have endurance because you cannot develop character, which takes time, if you've not been willing to stand under the pressure so that your character can be developed. This is why endurance is so important because you never move into a strong character if you don't develop endurance. I'll tell you why. Some of the most flaky people out there, and there's no offense to anybody that may feel a little bit flaky, okay? I know there's lots of variables as to why maybe people and some of us are like the said times. People that are constantly from job to job to job to job to job, whatever the excuse, whatever the reason, whatever the variable, I don't know and I can't speak to that. But what I can say, generally speaking, it's because they've never developed an attribute of endurance so that they can develop a character that's strong. And often those people that go from place to place to place, from job to job to job, honestly, don't have a stability in their character. God cares about character. You can be the most gifted person, gifted communicator, most charismatic leader, most charismatic person, but if you don't have endurance and you don't have character, you're missing a lot. And you'll never get, you're never going to build something that's going to leave legacy for the next generation. God wants strength of character, but he wants endurance, character, proof of genuineness. I was talking to my kids when I was sharing this, this, these five verses with them. Like, what does it look like to build character? And I use the illustration of you have a rock and you have a sculpture. That sculpture was once a rock, but through time, through endurance, that every time you endure under pressure and you persevere under pressure and you remain strong, you don't give up, you don't quit, it's like the sculptor begins to chip away at the rock and develop character, begin to develop the sculpture. I want to be a sculpture. I don't want to be a rock. I want to be a sculpture. I want to be a sculpture that God is constantly refining and chipping away at because I choose to stay. I choose to stay. You know, every time we quit when it's not God, it's like we throw out 
the sculpture that God started to create and we start over again. And we never quite build and create the character and the, and the, the maturity that God has designed for us in our spiritual life because every time we get to one side of the rock, it may hurt a little bit. It's the backside or it's the front side or whatever. It's uncomfortable. Something's chipping at me in the area that I'm not used to, if we're, I'm not used to being chipped away at. And we, get, we throw out the current character and we start all over again. It's God's design that we would learn endurance and perseverance so that he can sculpt the most precious, amazing, powerful version of you. Stay strong. Stand strong when you want to give up. Don't quit. Don't give in. And we see this in, I think, one of the most amazing uh, characters in the Bible that inspires me probably the most, I would say, is Joseph. Not the New Testament Joseph, not Mary's husband, but the Old Testament Joseph who went through quite a crazy story or quite a a crazy life. And, uh, you know, as you know, he had a dream when he was 17 years old and he was going to be the man, didn't understand what that meant. Right after that, he got his favorite jacket ripped up, thrown into a pit, sold into slavery. His parents thought he was dead. His uh, brothers abandoned him because they were jealous. They hated him, sold into into slavery. Then he kind of moved to a, a place of prominence. Then he was accused of rape, went into jail. Then he managed the jail. And then all of a sudden out of jail, interpreted some dreams and got out of the out of jail and became like second in command. Like he was the man. And now he, as a result of all that, his dream was fulfilled and he was able to actually service and persevere and save his own brother's lives, the ones that rejected him, the ones that betrayed him. It's kind of a picture of Jesus, you know, all those that betrayed him and crucified him. He's the end, ends up being their savior in the end. And, and uh, it's his story, and I'm just kind of, you know, giving you a quick overview. His story is so inspiring to me. And I say all that to say just to give you a little bit of a picture of the verse I'm going to read to you because Joseph knew what it meant to endure in hardship to keep God at the center of his attention, even when he was falsely accused, even when he was betrayed, when he had every reason to be the most painful, live in the most painful space, he somehow continued, like the favor of God was on him. People saw God on him. He didn't let his history hold him hostage. He didn't let his pain uh, hold him hostage. He didn't let his pain dictate his decisions. You know, he could have been wallowing in self-pity, which a lot of people do. When they're in pain, they want to wallow. They want to stay in pain. They want to blame everybody else around them. They want to do all kinds of stuff to target people. And, and they want to stay in their pain. They find some sort of like, like strength in their pain, but it's a false sense of strength. Joseph did the exact opposite. He had a promise from God and he said, God, I don't, it doesn't matter where I am, whether I'm in the prison, whether I'm in the palace, I'm gonna lean into you. I'm gonna walk with you. And as a result, everywhere I go, I am going to prosper. He had a prosperity mentality. It wasn't about what, what riches he had. It wasn't about what he had materially because he had nothing. It, he, he had a prosperity mentality that wherever he was, prison, pit, or palace, I am going to to prosper. And listen to what the psalmist says in Psalms chapter 105, verse 19. Great depiction of who Joseph was in his character. It says, until the time came to fulfill his dreams. Speaking of Joseph, when he was 17 years old, and you can read it in Genesis. Until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. Man, tested Joseph's character. You know what the testing was? 
It was, would Joseph endure and persevere when he wanted to quit? Would he endure? Would he hold on to the dream? His teenage dreams, his teenage dreams as a 17-year-old, would he hold on to that dream when everything around him said no, said contradiction, said just give up, said just give in. He held on to the dream. And as a result, you know what God did? Begin to sculpt Joseph, begin to sculpt his character, begin to make him into this masterpiece. Kept chipping away at areas of his life that needed to be chipped away at so that one day he would be ready to sit on the throne. That he'd be ready, he'd be ready. I mean, people go, go, go travel around the world to see uh, <clears throat> art pieces that have been worked on for, for, for many, many years, decades, sculptures that have been sculpted over decades. And they're like, they're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Look at this, like Leonardo and, and all these different guys, Michelangelo and David. And, you know, they, we, 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 we go all around the world to see these sculptures. Well, they didn't just happen overnight. They were tested. They were tried. These sculptures were, were, were sculpted by, um, like masters in their area, these master artists, but it took time. Well, God, he is like the master artist in our life. He knows exactly what he wants our end to look like. And everything you're going through right now is a part of him chipping away and making you the perfect version of you. When I say perfect version, I mean the best version of yourself, the better version of yourself. Because listen, we are not right now the best version of ourselves. It is God's design for us to continue to grow in his grace as we go, as we move forward, as we step into and venture into every season of life. It's God's design for us to continue to mature and become even a better looking in the spirit version of ourselves. We're always called to get better and better and better. I love this. I love this. Psalms 105 verse 19. The Lord tested Joseph's character until the time his, it, it came for him to fulfill his dreams. And he could even see sort of the, the dynamic of Joseph's life in Genesis chapter 39, verse 3, where he says, Now his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. This was not just one, but everyone that was around Joseph saw this on Joseph something special on him. He's clearly letting the God of all gods do something so special on him that he's gonna be prepared to do something incredible in his life. I wanna read something that I believe is, is prophetic for us in this season. And it's out of the book of Hosea. It's out of the book of Hosea without going too much of, an, on a, too much of a backdrop or historical overview of the book of Hosea. The, Hosea is a very prophetic book and it really represents, he's one of the 12 minor prophets. He, it really represents the first actually of 12. He, he represents uh, to us a forgiving God, a God who restores that even though God doesn't like the sin, he hates the sin, he loves the person and wants the person set free, restored, you know, reconciled back to him. And Hosea, you know, ends up marrying a prostitute. And it was kind of a picture of what Israel at the time had been doing. And they'd, 
Israel had been kind of prostituting themselves over to other gods. And God wanted to show himself as a loving husband to his bride, Israel, through the life of Hosea, saying, listen, even though Israel is off track and they're offline, so to speak, and they're all over the place and worshiping all these other gods, you know, I'm going to bring her back to me as a loving husband would and restore her. And I'm going to love her into healing. And I love what it says here in Hosea chapter 2, verse 15. This is a promise for us. And I, I love the language here. I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. I love the language here because I believe it's a prophetic picture for our lives in this season, especially for those that have had an experience loss in their life. It says this, I'll ret- I will return her vineyards to her and transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. I'll return her vineyards to her and transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. She will give herself to me there as she did long ago when she was young, when I freed her from captivity in Egypt. Now, just to give you a little bit of a, a little bit of context, a little bit of context. um, First of all, I want to say this, that where you've lost the vineyard speaks of your your, your business, your what's precious to you, something that you put value and hope into. Uh, the vineyard speaks maybe for you of a ministry. Maybe it's church. Maybe it's um, a family, something to do with the family, a dream that's been lost. That's your vineyard, something that you've been cultivating and taking care of, and now you feel like you've lost it. I believe God's promise to us is he'll return our vineyards to us and turn the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope that in other translations you're going to read it the valley of Achan, okay, or of Acre, valley of Acre, sorry. And this actually this word Acre comes from the word the name Achan out of Joshua seven twenty six, and it was a guy as they were cro- as they after the Israel had crossed over into the promised land and after they had conquered Jericho, all the bounty, all the iron, the bronze, the silver, the gold, God said, I want that all. You cannot take any of it. It's the first fruits offering. I want it all. It's like kind of like your tithe in a sense, but I want it all. I want it all. I want your first fruits. I want your best. This is the first uh, city you've conquered after 40 years of the wilderness, the first city you've conquered since you come out of the wilderness into the promised land. And I want the bounty. I want it all. And I want you to bring it into the treasury of the house of the Lord. That's where it belongs. And he said, you cannot keep any of it. So, so Joshua had to instruct the people, don't keep the stuff. Don't keep this. It belongs to God's treasury. And uh, one man named Achan kept some for himself, kept some gold, kept some silver and hid it in his tent. And obviously the Lord knew and unfortunately judgment fell on the people. And because of one man's sin, a whole bunch of people were affected by it. And it, it, as a result, the next battle that they fought, they lost. Why? Because something was held back, was not surrendered to God. It was so important to God that the people of Israel learned to continue to trust God. That's why over and over again in Deuteronomy, it says, remember me. It is me who gives you the power to get wealth. Remember that when you get into the promised land. Why? Because you're going to be tempted to think that you just conquered this whole thing by yourself. And that's why I believe Achan, you know, took uh, a little bit for himself in, in selfishly. It was like a test of the heart. Listen, guys, you finally got there. Can't you just trust me with the first fruit? Can't you just trust me? And as a result, like I said, they lost the next, 
the next battle. So as a result, because of that moment, it, it, that area was named the Valley of Achan. The Valley of Acre, sorry, after Achan, who took the money, who kept some of it for, for himself. But I believe, and it's in the, the, really the translation is trouble, Valley of Trouble. You know, some of us have been in trouble in this season. We've lost. Maybe we've stopped surrendering to God. Maybe we've stopped giving what belongs to God to God. And as a result, we've ex been experiencing trouble. I believe in this season, and maybe as a result, we've lost our vineyard. We've lost what's been precious to us. I want to encourage you. Give back to God what belongs to him. Give him your time. Trust him with your relationships, with everything that he's given you, your business, your, your, your ministry, your family. Give it all back to God again. Remind God. Maybe not remind God. Remind yourself that everything that you've been given is his. Position your heart. Don't be like Achan. Don't lose out. Don't come into unnecessary trouble because you're holding back. Man, when we surrender everything to God, God takes it and he multiplies it. He puts favor on it. That's just what happens when we surrender everything to him. God wants full surrender. I believe God is he's turning our valley of trouble in this season into a gateway of hope, a gateway of hope. But ultimately, you guys, Romans 15, verse 13, I wanna close with this. Paul's prayer, near the end of Romans, Paul's prayer, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Ultimately, biggest key to restore hope in this season, to revive hope in our life, biggest key is to find him, to get into him a little more in this season. Have a personal revival in, your area, in the area of the relationship that you have with God. Stumble into hope because you find him. Hope happens as a result of finding Mr. Hope himself. Hope just happens. Don't try to conjure it up in this season. If you've lost hope, if you're struggling, you felt like you've had to hold back and now you're in trouble and you feel like things are in chaos, just surrender again. It's really easy. Just surrender again. Bring it all back to him again. Find him again. And as a result, hope will happen. Hope will begin to happen. Stay strong, endure, find that place of perseverance again where you've given up in the past, where you've given up in previous seasons or you've given up in this season. Maybe you were strong in one season, but now you're not in this season because you have all kinds of pressures around you, pushing on you. Stay strong, stay strong. Let them develop your character and watch hope happen. Part of pursuing God as Mr. H himself, Mr. Hope himself, is enduring in your relationship with God when you want to give up. When you endure in your relationship with God and you want to give up, God begins to continue to sculpt you. He, begin, he continues to refine you. He continues to do what he's always planned to do, and that's strengthen, transform, and make you into the person that you were created to be always. And as a result, you will stumble into hope. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you for everybody watching right now. And I believe that it's your desire to restore hope. It's your desire to renew again, to strengthen again, to open up our eyes, to open up our eyes like Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter one, verse 18, that you'd enlighten the eyes of our understanding, showing us what the hope of your calling is. I pray, God, that you would give us hope again, hope for what you have for us, 
that we would no longer be held hostage by our history, but we'd be literally held hostage by hope again because we choose to endure. We choose to stand strong. We choose to let you sculpt our character into the best version of ourselves in Jesus' name. God, I pray especially for those right now that just need uh, an extra dose. There's so many people out there watching right now. You just need an extra dose of hope. You need an extra dose of, of, of healing, an extra dose of just uh, uh, encouragement in this season. And I pray that you would get it as you choose to endure, as you choose to lean in, as you choose to pursue and let him refine you and refine your character. I pray that God, as they do, that they would just literally stumble into it in a whole new way in Jesus' name. Amen. I really hope that ministered to you this morning. And my prayer ultimately in this is if you're watching with us and you don't know Jesus in relationship, you don't know what would happen to you. I just believe that when you find Jesus and when you open your life to Jesus, it's the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life. You're finding Mr. Hope himself. And it's the greatest hope. It's the hope, like I said in the beginning of Romans 5, the hope of salvation to know that we have what he's promised we will have. And I pray that God would give that to you today. Romans 10 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved, that you will be transformed, that you will be a new person inside and out. And I wanna pray with you if that's you and you wanna say yes and let him in today, just let us know. Email prayerkingdomculture.ca. Let us know you've made this decision, but I wanna pray with you today. If that's you, just say this with me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're God. I want you in my life. I surrender to you today. I receive your forgiveness. I wanna find new hope in you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that and you meant it genuinely, I wanna encourage you, like I said, to email the, the email on the screen. We wanna give you some resources, pray with you, be a part of your journey as you move forward developing relationship with God. Kingdom Culture, see you next time.